The blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast. This is the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm John. And I'm Adam. And today we are going to be finishing up our October Vampire Month as we discuss our top 10 vampire movies before 2005, because you know we got to set that nostalgic level on there. Exactly. It's got to be before, pretty much before I graduated high school. Um, It kind of fits that time well for us. And yeah, you kind of mentioned this actually in our last episode, um, and I just want to bring it back up. I looked through a lot of vampire movies and realized I haven't seen a lot of vampire movies. I was the same. In fact, probably the list of kind of 10 plus the one extra one I had were really the 10 movies. Okay, uh, before 2005, not accounting anything that happened after 2005, such as, yes, I saw some of the Twilight films um, (laughs) because my wife dragged me to at least one of them Um, or some, some of the other ones. But before 2005, my watching list of vampire movies was a lot smaller than I anticipated it being. For me, um, because I was similar and I hadn't seen so much, I actually went out of my way to try and watch some different movies. Uh, And I rented about, or looked online and found some, about five different vampire movies, and I watched just to see, like, okay, would these make my list? And so uh, a couple of them did, a couple of them didn't. I thought about doing that as well, but ultimately I didn't have the time. I I fully understand that. Um, Now, one thing that I think you did do which i didn't end up doing um was i did stick to kind of our traditional route of i only used one film per franchise and i did not okay sorry i didn't know if that was a uh uh you're saving it yeah that was not that was a that was not a hard and fast rule that i abided to this way or at least this time um i didn't use too much but there's there's a couple of times where i did use uh multiples of a franchise also I accounted that any movie that had a vampire in it as a vampire movie, even okay. if the vampire was not the main character. Okay, sure. I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm curious. Yeah, I don't know if I follow that exactly, but maybe. I'm kind of curious what movies you will get from that. There's really only okay. one. There's only, only one movie where the vampire is not the main focus or mm-hmm. like the main antagonist. Okay. They're just there. Um but it's a movie I enjoy, so like you know what, sure. it, it qualifies. Uh, all right, well let's uh, let's go ahead and jump into our list. I'm excited to talk about these. Adam, what's your number ten? My ten spot is one I use for um, some interesting films sometimes, or you know, like maybe like a uh, not really a joke answer, but this is a movie I've watched. Well, not really. I did watch this. Was one of the ones that I that I found. It's on Tubi right now. Mm-hmm. I had only really seen some scenes from it before. But that was good enough to make it my number 10 because it meant a lot to me when I was younger. I am talking Embrace of the Vampire, 1995. I don't know that I've ever seen that. You might have seen the same clips I have if you hunted the internet when you were a horny boy looking for topless (laughs) Alyssa Milano. Oh, that's all you had to say. (laughs) So Embrace of the Vampire is a garbage 
garbage film. Um, but it is the one that Alyssa Milano very famously, I think, revealed herself first um, in film form. And she does it quite a bit. I actually ended up watching pretty much the entire movie. Um, it's, oh, it's fucking trash. I mean, it is basically <laughs> like, you know, like a, a, a late night half almost um you know like skinamax type yeah thing. exactly it is very much a skinamax like softcore kind of movie um but you get a good bit of Alyssa milano naked in it <laughs> and boy does that make it worth a top 10 for me oh yeah <laughs> fair enough yeah so it came out in 95 i mean so so the, oh yeah i did so one thing i did with this one i pulled in the um i went and grabbed the imdb like one-liners for this one, so I'll read about all of my little one-liners. And so, mm-hmm. the embrace of the vampire. An 18-year-old college freshman is seduced by a handsome vampire lover who introduces her to a dark world of carnal desires. Um, and you know what? You know what? Carnal desires is an aspect of vampire lore. And so, I think it it, my carnal desire to see Alyssa Milano <laughs> um, is fitting for to make my list. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. I will say, and I just kind of thought of this, if we had included television shows, mm. there probably would have at least been a couple. One, yep. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, oh. the TV show, would have made my list. Yep. Also, I think this would have counted, because I, I think it started in 04, True Blood, one oh, of my favorite okay. HBO shows. I loved True Blood. Yeah. It was one of my favorite ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would, if that one was not number one, it would have been very much near the top. Sure. Um. So my number 10... Speaking of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, is the film oh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Higher on my list. Okay. We'll save it, and let's go to number nine. I'll uh, I'll go with my number nine. This is not a great film. It, to me, it was only marginally better than Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh-huh. Uh, but vampires are the focus, and I love me some Hugh Jackman. My number nine is Van Helsing. Higher on my list. Okay. <laughs> oh, all right. all right. All right. My number nine. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, so I went from my 10 to my carnal desires and, you know, the, the low class Adam. My number nine is for the film student Adam. Mm-hmm. And I went way, way back to like the first vampire movie period, 1922's Nosferatu. Not on my list, but that was actually the one movie I wanted to watch before this, and I kind of like looked at a few clips, so I didn't really get a chance to see the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a silent film, it's old, yeah. but it's it's really the thing that started it all, yeah. and you really have to pay respect to that. That's pretty much how it made number nine on my list, is respect for film. Um, I did, it's also on Tubi, I believe. Uh, yeah, available on two. It's the hundredth anniversary. So this movie is a hundred years old. That's awesome. Yeah, a film. That's a- um, the only problem with that I didn't like from the hundredth anniversary edition, the music was like totally redone, and you can tell it just it just doesn't feel like it fits with the film. Like you know, like what was originally there. But I guess what was originally originally there was probably a full orchestra playing. You know, while the movie was going on, is my mm-hmm. guess. Um, it is a slog. To get through that movie, yeah, it it's. I mean, I I'm I don't have the attention span for a silent film. Like, really, it depends. Certain ones, I have got one back here called M. Phenomenal mm. film. To me, comedies are a lot easier ah. to get through 
in, si- yeah. in the silent film era. So like your Charlie Chaplin's, your Buster mm-hmm. Keaton's, that sort of thing. To me, yeah. those are a little bit easier to get through than like something that's a little bit more dramatic like this. Yeah, exactly. Um, so in this one, Vampire Count Orlock expresses interest in a new residence and real estate agent, Hutter's wife. Uh, that's the one-liner on this one. Yeah, 1922. And because of respect for the film now, granted, there are there's some really cool lighting things that they did for this film. And you see, you've seen the clips. Hell, we talked about it in the interview with the vampire. Like this was the one that started it all. And a lot of people love it and respect it and put it high on their vampire lists because Mm -hmm. of that. And so that's kind of why it made my list. Then that's totally fair. And I actually even considered putting it on the list, not Mm -hmm. even having seen it just for the respect of it. So I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Um, all right. Are we on to number eight? Uh, yeah, we're already on number eight. Okay. What's your number eight? My number eight, I don't know if you if you like this film, if you've seen this film. It's a Robert Rodriguez film, and it's From Dusk Till Dawn. Adam, my number eight is <laughs> From Dusk Till Dawn. Hey, there we go. Uh, so it's one-liner. Two criminals and their hostages unknowingly seek temporary refuge in a truck stop populated by vampires with chaotic results. That's, that's This just... movie is, like, stupid. Like, yes. fucking stupid. But, like, funny fucking stupid in some ways. It has one of my favorite line deliveries of anyone else, um, and it is done by, oh, Cheech Marin. Yeah, Cheech is When he's standing outside and he's like, pussy, pussy, pussy. We got all the pussy here. We got (laughs) wet pussy, smelly pussy, chicken pussy. For some reason, the line of chicken pussy pussy. sounded, it makes me laugh every time. The whole whole speech that he does, it's stupid and dumb and- like some of the uh, makeup is really over the top and weird, but that's kind of the charm of the film. Yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah, once they get it goes into like, literally like there's a there's a point in the film with the reveal and then it becomes campy monster film. Yes. Like and they and they lean into the camp. I actually very much prefer the first half of the film. I think the first half is by far the better half of the, you know, it's, it's more interesting to me. But it's more, it's more, it's darker. Yeah. Like there's some like there, you know, it's um, Tarantino's character, like fighting with his instincts and like, yeah, all, like these dark thoughts that he's clearly having and all this other stuff. And you're right. It is definitely two films mm-hmm. and the beginning, like, I really would have been interested in them finishing that film in that way. <laughs> yeah. Not going to the vampire thing. Exactly. Um, the vampire part is fun, mm-hmm. but you're right. It feels like a completely separate movie. Yeah. I mean, it's it's enjoyable enough. It's watchable. Some people love that. Um, and I still like it fine. I like it fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the first half is is the best half. So, yep. But it's still solid. Solid enough. And yeah. Selma Hayek as a stripper. Ho, ho. Hey, yo. Whew. Even with the makeup on. Because they only make up like the top end of her oh, face. Yeah, Everything exactly. else look normal. Yep, I would I would bang that vampire in a heartbeat. <laughs> she can suck me. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> wow. All right, uh, uh, number seven. Yeah, number seven. Yeah, I'll go with my number seven. My number seven is not necessarily a movie I ever go back to rewatch. I saw it once. Yeah, and I, you know, I respect it for what it is. Great, some great performances and some notoriously not great performances from an actor who I love, unfortunately, and that is uh, Mr. Keanu Reeves. But Gary Oldman's Dracula from Bram Stoker's Dracula is really what made it number seven on my list. Yep. 
Uh, not on my list. Okay. So it, it's actually one that I rented because I'd never seen it. And I'm like, I need to watch this because yes. this is like a, I mean, this is a classic Dracula or, you know, vampire film. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't care for this. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not particularly great. I mean, uh, Gary Oldman oh, he's can do phenomenal. no wrong. He's phenomenal in this. And that's, that's, I think that's what really carries the film. And is really the reason why people still kind of talk about reverence. They do talk about Keanu Reeves's silly attempt at his accent. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Keanu Reeves is great at doing a lot of things in film, but an English accent is not one of them. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. So I mean, yeah, you get you know, Winona Ryder is like this um, love interest that you know Dracula is going for, and all this kind of stuff. Um, it just ultimately be- felt kind of slow to me, but yeah. So I did, but I did watch it. I finally watched it. All right. What was your number seven? Uh, my number seven is a film I watched on Comedy Central when I was a kid. I don't know if I've seen it ever since, um, maybe once or twice on TV, and it stars Jim Carrey, and it's called Once Bitten. Never heard of it. I That doesn't surprise me, though. Um, the one-liner for that one, a vampire countess needs to drink the blood of a virgin in order to keep her eternal beauty. It seems that all is hopeless until she bumps in to Mark Kendall. So Mark Kendall, played by Jim Carrey, came out in 1985. It was one of his, is actually his first leading role um, film. Mm. And this is before Jim Carrey became the wackier Jim Carrey. Um, mm-hmm. And he got, you know, even more like more physical comedy. Um, but I remember watching this one and I remember enjoying it. I I did watch a couple of clips and I'm not sure the film holds up. And if I rewatched the whole thing, would it actually not make my list at all? That's possible. Right. Um, but because of the nostalgic value and also it's a little film that I don't think a lot of people know, as you mentioned, you'd never even heard of it. But I remember enjoying it when I was a kid. So that's why it got got up here. OK, that is totally fair. Totally okay. fair. Uh, All right. On to number six. Or are we at number six? Where uh, are we? Or did, did you do your number seven? My number seven was Dracula. Oh, Dracula. Yeah, yep. So we're on to six. On to six. Um, okay, well, then let's come back to you and do your six. My number six is a movie that I had not seen again. Uh, also, another one that I did rent, and I watched this whole one, and it made up to my number six. This is a classic for a lot of people, and they would probably put it at their top. I don't know if you were a fan, because we've never talked about it. We haven't put it on our list, probably because neither of us had really seen it before. As my guess, but my number six is Lost Boys. Lost Boys was my only honorable mention, only because I felt I had to put it on there, but <laughs> yeah. I don't ever actually remember seeing the film. And I felt the need I, that I had to watch. It was what spurred this was Lost Boys and um, Bram Stoker's, Stoker's Dracula. I'm like, I've right. got to watch those before I can rank vampire movies, I feel. Right. And so I did, and Lost Boys. I actually enjoyed. I mean, it had a big 80s feel, came out in 87. I think this film would have been much higher if we would have watched it when we were younger. Uh, The film has got some good scary stuff, um, but there's plenty of it that works with younger kids, actually. Um, Mm. There's the Corey Feldman and Corey Haim kind of characters, the Frog Brothers with, uh, with Corey Haim's main character. There's, there's some Goonie-esque elements that they have to go off and fight, you know, uh, Kiefer Sutherland's band of vampires and all this kind of stuff. I didn't realize that was actually part of it, that, you know, that there were mm-hmm. going to be some more kid-friendly or, or, like, you can relate to it as a younger person. Um, so, yeah, that had that fun stuff. There was a bunch of 80s cheese, 
but I like me some 80s cheese. I mean, hell, that's why we're doing this podcast, (laughs) partly. And it has a hell of a soundtrack. It's got a really good 80s soundtrack as well. So um, I've quite enjoyed it, and I would recommend that one might be a fun one to watch with your kids down, you know, at some point. I think think they might appreciate it. I'm pretty sure my wife does love that film, so that might be one fun one to to kind of reverse with them. All I know about it, uh, besides the three main actors who are in it, is that there's a sexy vampire saxophone player. Oh, boy, is he sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My number six is going to be a bit of a surprise. Okay. Um, Only because this film is not beloved at all. Hmm. But I love it for two reasons. And those two reasons are actors, supporting actors who are in the film. Uh, Number one, Jessica Biel. (laughs) <laughs> got a okay. huge crush on Jessica Biel. And number two, and this is the important thing, if we didn't have this movie, we would not have Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. Sure. This is the film when he, when he was stating that when he was doing this film, uh, a producer saw him, told him, hey, you should look at Deadpool. That's basically the character you were playing. You'd be really good at it. And that is how we got what eventually led up to Ryan Reynolds being the good Deadpool, not the bad Deadpool from X-Men Origins. <laughs> yeah. um, but if we hadn't had this film, I don't think we would have had Deadpool the way we've got it. So gotcha. to me, it makes it an important one. Also, it's goofy, and I used to rewatch this one a lot. Honestly, I used to rewatch it because I had a huge crush on Jessica Biel. She's sure. really hot in this film. Um, and it has some st- stupid elements to it, but it also is kind of funny. So yeah. that's one of the reasons why I used to rewatch it a little bit more. Yeah, and and when we were doing, um, you know, some of our doing our uh, exclusive stuff, we had gone through Blade One and Blade Two, and with Marcus Ellis, and we hadn't gotten to Trinity, and I don't know if we will kind of bring that back or not, um, TBD. Uh, so I, it's been a long time since I've seen it, and I I because I stuck to one per franchise, mm-hmm. it wasn't gonna make the list out of that franchise for sure. Right. Understandable, but but you know what? It's been a while, and I I do need to check it back out. It, the things that it does well, it does really well, but the things that it does bad, it does really bad. Okay. <laughs> so it kind of cancels itself out. Uh-huh. Uh, all right. That was our bottom half. Let's go ahead and move on to our top half. Uh, I guess I'll do my number sure. five. Um, I don't know if I expect – I don't think this is going to be on your list. Um, this one is a sequel, and it's my second favorite in this franchise. It'll be a little hint for later. Um, but it still r- remained um, squarely within the world. I don't feel like it it uh, went too far off the rails, uh, and that is Underworld Evolution. Okay, I've I've never really watched any of the Underworld films. Okay, so I I don't know. I mean, I think um, uh, oh, what's her name? Kate Beckinsale. Kate Kate Beckinsale is a stunning woman, and I would love to see her kick ass. Mm-hmm. Um, I just haven't like you know put it as a priority to watch so right um there's some good stuff in here um the kind of the character of michael who we're introduced to in in the first underworld um kind of go gets to go on in evolution as it says there's some really great actors in here bill nye uh tony oh, curran yeah. Derek jacoby in this one I have um, seen I've seen like the clips or, or I've seen something of Bill Nighy in this kind of role and he looks he looks good he looks freaky he does look good and he he is believable as sort of like an elder vampire mm-hmm. he's I totally I totally bought it I think it worked really really well 
Um, so yeah, that's so it's the continuation of it, and we may or may not hear from a different one in this franchise <laughs> in a little bit. Okay. All right. What's your number five? All right, my number five. Maybe there's a chance this is on your list um, because we both enjoy this kind of this writer and this director and his campy comedies. I don't remember if you dug this one like I did. I think me and my sister watched it and Abby and we liked it. But my number five is Dracula Dead and Loving It. I've never seen Dracula Dead and Loving It. You're actually not missing much. <laughs> it is not. It's not. One of Mel Brooks' best. Like, it is probably way down the list of Mel Brooks' films. Mm -hmm. But I saw it as a kid, and so, like, it being a good movie didn't matter to me at the time. Right. You know, it's Mel Brooks' campy parody classic. You know, he's basically parodying Bram Stoker's Dracula, you know, kind of thing. Actually, I don't remember which came out first, but I think he's he's just doing Dracula. Um, and I I specifically remember the Renfeld, uh, Renfield character in that one and him eating the bugs and whatnot. It was just, it was funny to me. It was silly. It starred two, two actors from Wings, actually. Um, it brought back um, uh, uh, Maid Marian from Robin Hood uh, Men in Tights, um, Casey in Wings. I can't remember her name for some reason. Um, hmm. Amy Yazback. Yeah, uh, it, brought, it brought back Amy Yazback uh, and then Steven Winger, uh, who played the brother. Uh, Steven Weber? Weber. Sorry, you're right. Weber. Weber, not Winger. Um, so they were kind of like the main two. Uh, he Weber playing Keanu Reeves' character, I think, and Yazbek playing Winona Ryder's character. Mm. Um, and it even brought back the same, the handmaiden from, who played uh, Marla Hooch. She was also in this as like the handmaiden in this one. So <laughs> derivative, okay. sure. Um but it was it was silly, campy, and as a kid, I remember watching it, you know, pretty early after it came out, probably, and I was like, oh, this is funny to me. And so, yeah, Leslie Nielsen, you know, his stuff is a hit or miss for me right. a lot of the times. But as a kid, it just it, it hit the right spots. Cool. So, I, I, yeah, if if I if I rewatched this one fully, I'm almost certain it would drop down the list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably yes. Yeah, and understandably so. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, all right. Number four. What's your number four? My number four was your number nine, I think. Something like that. Um, also camp, heavy, heavy camp, but fucking Hugh Jackman is awesome in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's 2004's Van Helsing. Okay. So. I've only, I had only, this is one where I'd only remember seeing it like maybe twice. Mm -hmm. And I mean, kind of enjoying like the action of it and the, and the fun stuff of it, but everything overall being like, well, it was, it was okay. Yeah. It's, it's fun. Exactly. It's just fun. I actually, I own it, you know, so if that tells mm -hmm. you something there, but well, I, I, I think I own it too, but I also, yeah. there was a time when I was just anytime, <laughs> uh, anytime uh, a, uh, a uh, DVD would go on sale for like four ninety nine, dollars I would just buy up like whatever they yep. had that I thought I might, might watch later. I was the same man. Those five dollar bins at Walmart for me was a thing. Or like yep. the, uh, you know, when before Blockbuster went out of business and they were selling like you the know, used two for ones. 10 or, yeah, those ones. Yeah, I did that too. I, I bought them up like crazy, and this was in that group. Um, I did actually rewatch it, and it was still pretty fun. I mean, there okay. is a campy action to it. The graphics are a bit rough. I'm not gonna lie. The you know, and the acting isn't great. But overall, if you just want to kind of separate yourself and just get into like some dumb fun action i think this movie holds up yeah and another vampire movie that kate beckinsale is in yeah yes right she's she is badass in that one so all right, all right. so my number four is the one that 
only qualified because there's a vampire character in it. Okay. Uh, they are not the lead character. Vampires are not the lead antagonist. And honestly, a lot of people kind of like in Van, like with Van Helsing kind of lauded the movie as like being dumb. It's based on a well-known graphic novel and people thought that the movie was too campy and honestly, that's the reason I love it. Mm-hmm. And it was also Sean Connery's last performance in League of Extraordinary oh. Gentlemen. Okay. Okay. Uh, it is campy. You're right. That is one. Yeah, that's one I need to rewatch. Um, I I think it's kind of, yeah, gotten a, not only like a cult following, but I think people are appreciating the camp now with it. Yeah. Um, There's some of these ones that were like, really poo-pooed when they came out and then people are kind of like going back and be like, you know what? I really did kind of enjoy that actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. Peter Wilson, who I think was in, uh, was it Femme, or not, uh, La uh, Femme Nikita. I think oh, she was in the, Fem- t- yeah, La I think she was the TV show La Femme Nikita. Okay. Um, gorgeous as Mina, who is the vampire, uh-huh. uh, in this, um, a lot of other, you know, good ones. Tony Curran's in this one as well. And obviously Sean Connery, yeah. Um, I actually enjoyed going back and watching this one and, and, uh, kind of before the streaming era started, if this one was on TV, I would stop and watch it. So, yeah, I, I need, I would need to go back and rewatch it, but I bet it would have that, that same, same, uh, fun action vibe that I get from Van Helsing. So it's been a while. Good. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're well, we into top three. We are on to our top three. All right. So my top three, two of the franchises have already been named. Yeah, I can. I, I know. I know the franchises that your films are, but what order? Uh, so my number three is the first one uh, in the Underworld series, which is just Underworld. Um, okay. Kate Beckinsale fucking carries that movie. I mean, there's some other good. Bill Nighy is also in that one. There's some good okay. stuff in that one, but she is like at her peak. Just absolutely gorgeous in like you know just a full body leather suit. Essentially, kind of made <laughs> yeah. that. Kind of made that really popular in the early 2000s. Yeah. And it's a fun vampire movie. And in fact, most of the ones in the Underworld series have been pretty fun. And we've, okay. un- and we've enjoyed more or less all of them. Yeah. I, I As I mentioned before, I haven't seen it, but I probably need to. Um, oh. Huh. Oh, no. That's a different date. Never mind. Um, but there are, so, <laughs> there are so many of them. It feels like it's a – it's such a, you know – um, it's a commitment to, to to start get into the underworld franchise. Like the first three of them were like the good ones, and then after that, it kind of delved off. Okay. So if you just stopped after like the first three, that's fine. There's like the first two, and then there's one that's kind of a kind of a prequel. They uh-huh. kind of just move earlier in time. Okay, but it re- it doesn't necessarily feel like it's an over uh, handed. Also, vampires who live forever that you can kind of move around in time. And it doesn't change the the characters that much, sure. So, so. but the okay. first two for sure are are my favorite. All right, nice. Well, I will have to give those a shot. Cool. All right, what's your number three? My number three was your number ten. Even though you said Van Helsing was slightly better than this one, I disagree, and I think this one is slightly better than Van Helsing, uh, and that is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So we talked about it, you know, uh, just earlier this month. And I think it's fun. I think there is a fun campiness to the 1992 film that was written by Joss Whedon, his first uh, full-length feature. Um, 
I, I, I go back and listen to it. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, go back and listen to it. I think it's uh, it's very. I mean, hell, it sets up a franchise. Now, if we were doing the shows, Buffy the Vampire Slayer m- might be at the top of this. It would be right. very much above. It'd be above this for sure. Yeah, uh, the show is better than the movie, um, but. I did still enjoy the movie, and rewatching it actually didn't take away my enjoyment for the film. So okay, um, I don't I think it's not a secret that Buffy was going to be lower because I think in our review, I think I even said that it was too campy. Yeah, for me. Yeah, I think I think that was exactly it. I think I liked it. I definitely liked it better than you did. Okay, well that's fair. Yeah. Uh, all right, sir. What is your number two? My number two is a famous number two in a franchise that I expect to hear from, expect to hear from you on this. Uh, mine is Blade 2. My number two is Blade 2. Okay. All right. Um, I, I know a lot of people who like think that the first Blade is the best one, and I always adamantly disagree. I think the second one really is where the Blade found its tone. We got good action, really interesting characters, Great makeup, Guillermo del Toro doing well, and honestly, yeah. I've I've always thought that the first one was actually a little cheesy. I never rewatched the first one, ever. I, there, there are aspects about it. I remember, and I all I hate hate the final fight with Steven Dorff's character. Mm-hmm. It just it it falls to shit to me actually. Um, that final fight right there in the first movie, uh, but overall, I you're right. I like Blade Two better than the first one. Uh, hard to. Pass up Guillermo del Toro being an awesome director, mm-hmm. um, but I mean it's it's close enough. You know we did talk about this in our Patreon exclusive stuff. So if you guys want to go back and listen to me <laughs> and John and our friend Marcus talk Blade One and Blade Two and maybe eventually Blade Three, go uh, <laughs> hop on the Patreon. Uh, all right, I have a sneaking suspicion our number one is the same. <laughs> I, yeah, I would assume so. Which actually kind of surprises me that the other Blade didn't make your list at all. Then. No, number wow. one, yeah. I I just told you I didn't like Blade One. Oh well, you said well you said you didn't like it, but I thought you didn't. I didn't. I didn't know you didn't like it that much. <laughs> yeah, I okay. I've I the only other the only two times I've ever watched Blade was the first time I watched it, and then when we rewatched it for this podcast. Okay. I I like Blade the character. Yeah. I don't yeah. like anything that happens in that well, movie. It's to me it was boring. Are you saying the sunblock? Um, being a thing is, is what? Come on, John. Yes. I'm saying the sunblock thing was stupid. Yeah, that was, that was stupid. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Our number one is going to be the same. Yes. Okay. Uh, we'll go ahead and say it. Interview with the vampire. Yeah. Of course. We just talked about it last week. Yeah. Um, it still holds up. I mean, if you really want to hear all of our thoughts on it, just go back and listen to the episode before this. Hopefully you've already listened to it. It really should be no surprise because we both talked about it reverently. Um, yeah. It's such a classic movie i think Anne rice did a really good job setting up her world Mm -hmm. in the book and made it easily transferable onto film and gave us uh, a a story that i'm honestly as you mentioned when we talked about it i'm surprised wasn't immediately made into the next one now i did read the the book the vampire slat i don't remember too much that happens in it what i do remember is that a lot of it lestat becomes a rock star and I, th- yeah, Ugh. I think that aspect of it, they were like, yeah, we can't do that. No, that's dumb. But yeah, so all of the other movies, and I think with vampire stuff, you have to detach yourself from reality, of course. Right. And so like, we're like, okay, hey, this is a fun action film or, you know, just dumb campy comedy or just has campy stuff to it. The thing with Interview with the Vampire, 
vampire. This film, it's not just a film. It's fucking cinema. Right. Everything is done really well with Interview with the Vampire. Um, the performances are fantastic. Everything is fantastic. And it feels grounded, as, as yeah. weird as that, sa- that sounds. One thing I did, I don't think I mentioned this. Maybe you did when we talked about it. One thing I did like about the film is, as you mentioned, it feels lived in. Uh-huh. Um, we don't see a lot of vampires. There's the one, can you know, a little group of them who are in Paris. But other than that, you know, Louis talks about wandering the earth and not finding any other vampires. So it it very much feels like it could really be a thing if they were really trying to hide. And maybe, you know, this group trying to be avant-garde and create their little thing, it was really their undoing because um, they, you know, congregated together. Um, but, you know, the mystery of it mm. makes it feel more plausible than most other vampire movies because it doesn't feel like there's like hordes of vampires hiding somewhere you know it's only just it's a small handful of them here and there and that the reality of that makes it more terrifying than anything else Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so um yeah not surprised that our number one and number two were exactly the same um i got a couple honorable mentions and if you've got some as well nope you mentioned my honorable mention which was lost boys and that's it (laughs) okay um I, I obviously the regular blade would have you know probably would have made my list mm-hmm. if um if if I wanted to do that but uh, so three of them I want to mention Monster Squad you and I and Corey talked Monster Squad way back and uh, Dracula was like the main villain in oh, that that's one. right I forgot about that and you know what I kind of thought it was a fun campy film you know and so I remember remember liking it and I remember I think I remember saying like. If I would have watched this when I was a kid, I probably would have loved it the way Corey does. I was going to say, I thought I remembered you tearing it to shit, but <laughs> maybe I did. I mean, it's, it's bad. It's not yeah. a good movie, but I think I would have liked it when I was younger. That, um, I, that I will, con- that I will agree with. I think if, if that had been a movie that we'd watched as kids, we might've actually had a nostalgic tie for it. Cause there's some, there's from, there's some quotes in there. Like if you know, Wolfman kicked kicked the Wolfman in the nards like that kind of thing. I would have loved that if I was like fucking eight year old Adam, you know, 30 something year old Adam's like, okay, that's that's me. This movie was terrible. That's why I didn't make my list. But uh, (laughs) Vampire in Brooklyn. But again, I didn't. That was the Eddie Murphy. I was going to say, is that the Eddie Murphy one? Yeah, (laughs) it's not good. It's not good. But, you know, I do have a a appreciation for Eddie Murphy. And then um, there was like a it's almost like a Disney Channel original movie. I don't know if it actually was or not, but it starred. uh, Was it uh, Jonathan Lipnicki, who was the um, the kid in uh, Jerry Maguire? And he's been in some other stuff. It was called The Little Vampire. And it was just a cute little. I cute little that. vampire film and whatnot. I like a, it was like a Disney Channel original movie style thing. Um, it might have, you know, I don't know. I, I remember watching it once when I was younger, and that's about it. So, uh, but yeah, there's the vast majority of other vampire movies I have not seen, and um, I don't know if I will go into it because, of in all honesty, of that entire list of ten, the only like two films that are like I think. I would actually consider to be legit good films mm-hmm. are my number one and number two. Right. <laughs> Every, everything else, I kind of have to be like, oh, I'm in the mood for a camp. Right. I'm in the mood for something, you know, 80s feeling with Lost Boys. Or I'm in the mood for something, whatever. But like actual good cinema, I don't think fits great with vampires. <laughs> I wonder, have you ever seen Vampire's Kiss, the Nicolas Cage movie? 
I have not. I, I haven't have either, not. but it, uh, from what I know of that one, he he has an encounter with someone who bites him, and then he thinks he's turning into a vampire. I don't think he uh, actually does, but would no. that qualify it as a vampire movie? I would think Ooh. so, because the if the yeah. theme is he thinks he's turning into a vampire, that would qualify it as a vampire movie. Um, mm-hmm. It has never looked appealing to me. The only thing I know about it is the scene where he actually ate a live cockroach. Oh, wow. Damn. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I mean, I've heard of the film, but I've yeah, never seen it. So interesting. I, I like that concept, though, that he thinks he's turning into a vampire, and maybe he's not. Uh, that's cool. Okay. All right. Well, that was our top ten vampire movies. Please join us next time as we're joined by patron Alex Renkamp to discuss the 1989 film Dead Poets Society, the 80s cartoon Captain N the Game Master, and cast characters in a Nintendo cinematic universe. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal is a joke.